I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe, maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Uh, here at Notre Dame, to have a chance to play these kind of teams, you have an opportunity to jump up and, and maybe in some ways be a spoiler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're talking about Stanford. Yep, you want to ask me a question about Stanford? I'm all ears. I'll pass. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And most of the football players who chose USC over UCLA because it's easier to spell. Oh, yes, we're back on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Wild ball game Saturday. The Buckeyes take down the Irish 17 14. I think there's a couple of things from this game. We need a player's perspective to offer some insights. So that's why I called upon my second favorite quarterback of all time, former Irish quarterback, Evan Sharpley. Sharp, great to have you back on the program. How are you? What an opening right there. That was awesome. <laughs> Old Charlie didn't want to talk about Stanford. So the reporter said, nah, I'll pass. I'm good. <laughs> that was epic. Oh man. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing good. Rocking and rolling. Uh, you know, Selling boats these days, still training some athletes here and there, and uh, drinking beer and watching sports, so pretty good. <laughs> so you're now officially one of us. That's right, 100%. <laughs> I love it. Hey, there's a couple of things i got to pick your brain on from this wild and wacky Notre Dame-Ohio State game. And, you know, as we talk about a couple of these things that are negatives, I, I do want to point out, and I started the show with this, a lot of good things happened in this game. Mitchell Evans and Brendan Morrison and Cam Hart, the offensive line, man, they balled out in this game. But there were a couple of things that popped up in the game that are head scratchers, including the end of the game. Now, you were a quarterback. You weren't on the defensive side of the football. But I think you can offer at least a perspective. Seven seconds to go, Sharp. Notre Dame calls timeout with Ohio State at the one-yard line. They use their final timeout. They had 11 players on the field going to the sideline. Coming out of the timeout, they only had 10. A defensive end that was on the field did not return. So Ohio State runs a play, incomplete pass. It is third down with one, just a couple of seconds left. Ohio State subs a running back, which means the official comes in, stands by the center, puts his arms extended, which means the defense has the chance to sub. This is a free sub. Sharp, at that point, Notre Dame still didn't know they had 10 players on the field, and the game-winning touchdown was scored with only 10 players on the field. I think fans are wanting to know, how in the world can that happen? Marcus Freeman is falling on the sword, but to me, that's not the head coach's responsibility. That's why he has GAs, assistant coaches, on down the line. What do you say to Irish fans to how something like that can happen, let alone in the biggest moment maybe the season? Well, first, you know, first off, good on Marcus Freeman to fall on the start, the sword. I mean, that's that's what he's paid the big bucks to do. But Darren, you're right. It's a, he, I mean, it's a head scratcher for me. Coming out of a tie, a timeout, you know, usually how that is, both on offense and defense, is you're in the huddle, and on defense, a lot of times, what will happen is you'll sub or you'll have a personnel group to match what the opposing offense has. And so, you know, obviously there's, a, there's going to be 11 guys that are going to be part of that personnel group. So, you know, if Ohio State comes out in two tight ends or three tight ends or a jumbo set or whatever it is, you have a defensive personnel that matches it. So for them to come out 
and not have the right number of players is very rare. It happens occasionally, but to then have it happen back-to-back and happen when Ohio State subs in a running back and you have the opportunity. So uh, you hit it. Between GAs, defensive line coach, defensive coordinator, or even a player on the field, like how do you not see a guy that's supposed to be in front of you and not there? So it happening once, rare. It happening twice, even more rare. And with a timeout and an opportunity to sub, it's almost unheard of. And to make matters worse, it's in the biggest moment of the entire game. So it's, it's a, it's a head scratcher. It's frustrating. And it's probably the most Notre Dame way to lose a football game. Evan, you've been on the field in some very loud moments. Now this is a situation where Ohio state's offense is on the field. So the crowd is going crazy as they should in that moment. So I'm imagining as a player, even if the Notre Dame coaches were telling someone, Hey, just jump offside, take the penalty. I would assume you're not going to be able to hear that. No, for sure. And, and, you know, what we didn't see though, like from the players on the field is usually when someone notices that, you know, they'll kind of put their hands up and maybe wave to the sideline. Like what's going on here, but we didn't even see that. So there's not much that can be communicated from the sideline. You're right. Just given the noise and also proximity to, and where, you know, the coaching box and then the players are allowed to be, someone would have had to run a decent amount uh, you know, a distance to get on the field to even make that happen. So all of that had to occur, you know, obviously getting 11 guys on the field shouldn't be an issue, but needed to happen in the huddle. And then there had to be awareness once Ohio State made that sub. And to give a little context, too, for, you know, the, the normal football fan, there, there aren't a ton of goal line personnels, Right. And when I was playing, we would, we would have a goal line package or a goal line period, usually on Thursdays, where we'd run goal line plays only for offense and defense. And then a follow-up on Friday during walkthrough where we'd go through subbing, like, hey, you know, maybe somebody hits a big play. You go from, you know, the, the plus or the minus four or plus 40, you know, down into the red zone or the goal line, you're going to have to have an immediate sub. Um and a lot of that, too, depends on, you know, at the goal line, are you going to maybe have somebody, a bigger body that's going to be on the, the defensive line who's maybe not necessarily playing um, in plus territory um, in, in the bigger field where there's more space? So there are some things that go into it, but I feel for Irish fans because it's for, it has to be extremely frustrating where, you know, really you had a good, you had a good game plan. I thought they beat Ohio State up, you know, for three, four quarters, controlled the football. I mean, the game went way different than I thought it was going to go uh, leading up to this, this matchup. And then to come out with a loss where they should have, they obviously should they should have won that game, had other opportunities too. I mean, we back it up to see even the third and 19. I mean, don't let them get a first down. You probably win the football game, right? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's just some things there that have just got to leave a bad taste in the mouth of the players, the coaches, and obviously the fans too. Former Irish quarterback Evan Sharpley, my guest on WSBT Radio. I want you to take me through that third and 19 for a moment from a quarterback's perspective. 
Marcus Freeman said they were trying to mix up coverages, don't play just man, which they played a lot in this game. And, again, Morrison and Hart were fantastic against two elite wide receivers. So they were mixing things up late. They decided on third and 19 from the 22 to go quarters defense. So they rushed three. They basically, I guess, Sharp, you could say they had four guys right along the goal line. As a quarterback, if you see quarters defense and you have third and 19, do you feel like that is a defensive formation that I might be able to make a play on compared to Notre Dame blitzing? And, and let me also add this. I'm not sure the blitz would have got there. That's been kind of a trend all year. Yeah, but if you've had success, and, and you, you said it, I mean, Morrison's a stud. He did a great job, um, you know, in limiting explosives. But if you're seeing quarter coverage and, and you have a good play design that overloads, especially one of those, you know, the, the two high safeties there, if you can overload a zone there, you're going to have an opportunity. And that's what happened. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those coverages kind of in a tweener area on the field. You know, if they had been deeper in the red zone, you probably are going to play like a cover seven where you're going to bracket everywhere and it's going to limit it. But I would have loved to have seen really the MO that they had had success with for four quarters you know, maybe bring a little pressure or disguise it as like a blitz zone where you have a guy then drop into coverage um, and, and then let your defensive backs do what they were doing. And, and you, you know, at that point, you'd have to get a clear beat from an Ohio State receiver to make it happen. But I, I get it. You know, the mentality a lot of times in third and 19 where your playbook is usually limited, uh, but the time of the game, the score – is going to dictate likely Ohio State probably didn't look at their third and 19 plays. They probably approached it as, you know, maybe a, maybe a first down pass play, um, something along those lines. But when you see quarter coverage like that, all you have to do is over, overload one of those zones and you're probably going to have two guys in a space where there's not enough defenders. Yeah, it looked like there were two Ohio State receivers that kind of sandwiched one defender and the defender had to make a choice and he was put in a really tough spot and, and give McCord credit. He made a really, really good throw on that third down and 19. I'd just like to get your general thoughts and your impressions of what you've seen from Sam Hartman so far this year. You know, it, it's so helpful to have a guy with that maturity and experience. You know, he, he, clearly has brought consistency to this offense. Uh, it does help to have a running back like Audric Estime and an offensive line that's been playing good too. You know, we're going to, we're going to see the, the real Sam Hartman, his type of leadership now after this loss, because this Duke football team is no slouch. You know, they're putting up 30, 40 points. They have a very talented quarterback, a great coaching staff. Uh, I think a road game, though, probably bodes well for Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a business trip. You approach it a little bit different. they got to tighten some things up. Uh, but it's one of those things where this is a scary game, I think, for me and probably for Irish fans, too, coming off a very emotional game at night, an emotional loss. Um, but, they, again, very talented quarterback, and there's a reason why Notre Dame was in this football game, and I think a lot of it had to do with his steady hand and his leadership. Would you almost rather go on the road after a tough loss at home? For sure, 100%. 100%. Uh, 
Um, I think it eliminates some of the distractions. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it, you really do treat it, not that you don't a home game, but there's a lot more hoopla, uh, you know, people coming on campus with an away game, you know, not everybody travels. So it's a smaller kind of tighter group. Um, you know, it, you're going, you're going to the, the plane, you're going and doing meetings likely on Friday night. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a very, very different mentality. So I'm hopeful that early in the game, Notre Dame is able to come out and, and really set the tone. Uh, you know, if they come out, if they come out flat, it, it could be a dogfight for four quarters. Hmm. Evan Sharpley, my guest, the former Irish quarterback. Let me go back to estimate just for a second. This is debated by Irish fans. You know, they've got five running backs that they feel very comfortable in using. Payne scored as basically the old the quarterback five yards deep at the one-yard line and scored a touchdown. Ford is good in, in various things. Payne and Love are explosive carrying the football. But to me, Audrick Estime is, is the meal money guy. He's the guy that I want to bank on in big moments. And against Central Michigan, he had 20 of the 37 carries, which was very uncharacteristic normally. As you know, Evan, it's, it's broken up amongst the guys. In this game, he had 14 of the 39 carries. Now, Marcus Freeman always talks about we take the strengths of each running back and we use them. As a quarterback, does it matter there are so many different running backs in the game? Would you prefer that? estimate guy who is one of the best running backs in the country. I think a lot of teams would love to have him carry the ball 20, 25 times a contest. I would hand it to him every time until he gets tired. And he <laughs> can tell you when he's tired. I mean, you have a guy like that. I mean, you look at him, you saw his interview probably on Pat McAfee wearing that basketball jersey. I mean, there aren't too many guys that are going to be able to go four quarters toe-to-toe and continually tackle him. So, at this point, I think he needs to get the lion's share. I know they have a lot of talented running backs in that running back room. And, you know, from an offensive standpoint as, as the coordinator, and really it's probably going to get to the running backs coach too on how they're, you know, setting up personnel packages down in distance. All of those things likely take into account. But that dude's a beast, man. And, you know, if I'm at, if if I'm playing quarterback and I'm either in the gun or under center, and I see that dude standing next to me or behind me, and we need a couple yards, it, it's it, it makes a big difference. And certainly, we didn't see this as much in this game, but when Sam Hartman has had the most success, it's been when Audric Estime got going and they were able to play action the ball down the field. Hmm. Final question for you, Evan. Just in general, and I know fans are stinging after the loss to Ohio State, a game I think they really should have won, but they didn't. Credit to Ohio State. Year two of Marcus Freeman, does it feel a little different? Do you feel like steps have been taken that this team is just a little closer to getting over that hump? Well, I went into this season, you know, optimistic but still cautious. It's an important year for Marcus Freeman and the program, you know, coming off of what happened last year, transitioning, you know, with a new coach and Brian Kelly leaving. I don't think I'm still ready to say they're over the hump and they're, they're taking that next step. You know, there's a lot of parity, though, this year in college football, Darren. And had they won this football game, you know, 
I probably would have had to change my tune a little bit. I, I went into it with Notre Dame nine and three, and really the games I was circling it was Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. Now Clemson worries me much less at this point. Duke is scary to me now. USC still is too. But Notre Dame does have an opportunity. You know, if if they can if they can regroup and refocus here, go on the road and beat an undefeated Duke team which would be another quality win and get to USC with only one loss. You win that football game, Darren, and your one loss is to, you know, probably an Ohio state team. That's, you know, they, they, although they, they could struggle a little bit in the big 10. I don't know if they're a playoff team. I don't think probably in my mind they are, but you have a quality, you have a quality loss if we want to call it that. And those do count, especially in a year where, Maybe there aren't a clear-cut, you know, one, two, three, four. Because in the years past, especially, uh, you know, in college football playoffs, is you've either had, like, a clear-cut Alabama or a Georgia and, and Ohio State for a few years that were just, you know, clear and above better than the rest of the field. And I don't think I'm prepared at this point – and we'll probably have a better view on that as we get into conference play to see how the, the SEC is, um, you know, how the Big Ten is. But, you know, th- this team can still get to 11-1. and one. I still have just my concerns in, in some areas um, of this football team, and those were some red flags I had, I had going in. But they played really well against Ohio State. Even though it was a loss and there are no moral victories, they fought and they clawed. Unfortunately, it didn't come out the way. So I probably sound like a broken record, but this next week's really important, Darren. Hey, Evan, where can Irish football fans catch you talking Notre Notre Dame football? Because I know you have a very successful podcast. Slightly successful. I mean, we just, we have a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, It's called Varsity Brews. Uh, My buddy, Vahid Sadarazadi and Aaron West, uh, Aaron owns Westwind Brewery in Elkhart. Uh, we started this podcast last year because I, I really wasn't doing a ton of media anymore uh, as far as radio and TV. And it was a nice respite, but we kind of, hey, it'd be fun to talk, uh, you know, college, NFL, football, maybe some other sports too, and drink beer. So uh, we do it at Westwind Brewery usually. We were actually up at Higgins Lake in northern Michigan on a Barletta pontoon boat a couple weeks ago hanging out. But you can, you can catch it on, you know, wherever you download podcasts. It's usually about an hour or so. And we have some guests on occasionally. We had Malik Zaire on last week. And as you know, Darren, he doesn't pull any punches. So, uh, and, and honestly, neither do I. Uh, nope. You know, e- even though I played at Notre Dame and I have a great affinity for my alma mater, they're, you know, in my mind, most former players are going to tell you they're going to, that Notre Dame is going to go 12-0 and every year. And, um, you know, I think that giving a realistic and, and thoughtful approach to where this program is and maybe some changes that need to be made resonates with a lot of people. So you can check out the Varsity Brews podcast or, hey, you, if you're in the area, you want to stop by, uh, you know, either direct message me on Instagram or Twitter uh, or one of our other hosts, and we can let you know where we're going to be. We're, uh, we'll be at Westwind 
uh, normally, uh, we're looking at probably doing uh, JC uh, coal oven pizza uh, next week uh, over in uh, that Mishawaka Granger area. So we, we do have a lot of fun. Sharp, I appreciate you doing this. Always appreciate your perspective as a player and a Notre Dame player. So thanks for the visit, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Darren.